0: Welcome to the Total Soccer Show. It's Monday, and Taylor should be here, but my name is Daryl Grove, and I'm here instead. And I'm joined by a man who's just come back from the dentist. His name is Ryan Bailey. Ryan, when you say hello, please don't be all muffled like they numbed your mouth. Hmm?
1: Oh no! Mm. Hello, Daryl. Thank you so much for having me on this wonderful Monday. Yes, I have just got back from the dentist not such a bad dentist i go to actually it's one of those ones where like they they have a tv and they pull it over you and they put on that like today show and stuff so i got to catch up on some nonsense while i was there too wonderful
0: so it's not like the national health service dentist
1: no so my dentist uh, my british dentist growing up was awful like they, (laughs) they had a picture they had a picture on the wall right of like this caricature of an old man pulling a tooth out of presumably his wife's mouth with like a piece of rope or string that's what i can remember about the dentist office i went to and i had Problems with this guy. But this place, yeah, breath of fresh air, quite literally speaking, American (laughs) dentistry is wonderful. So
0: is the string an illustration of a procedure they might do, or is it a warning of what will happen to you if you don't visit the dentist?
1: I think it was an instruction manual (laughs) for the dentist, yeah.
0: (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad that you're fighting fit and ready for another episode of the Total Soccer <laughs> Show, because we've got some big games to talk about, right? Today we're going to be talking th- what I'm going to call the new English Classico, Liverpool Man City, um, Leicester Arsenal, um, what you've labelled in our document Pulisic FC, which I think is the, the, correct, uh, the correct nomenclature for Chelsea right now, and correct. of course, De Clasica, De Clasica, which, spoiler alert, did not go the way Borussia Dortmund wanted.
1: It did not. It did not. Yeah, that's another sort of nouveau um, rivalry, isn't it? Relatively speaking, that one as well. Yeah, in terms so, of uh,
0: like sort of racing for the Bundesliga title, but sort of not.
1: Yeah, if, if they can, <laughs> if they uh, can feel 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 like they're going to do that. Yeah, but in terms of Liverpool Man City, do you? This is the biggest game in English soccer right now. Do you think it deserves to be elevated to a bit more of having a bit more of important status in terms of? Uh, I don't want to use the word derby, but, you know, a rivalry.
0: I mean, it's certainly, like, the game that sort of decides the title, in a way. Not, not that, like, it actually decides the title when you play it, but these are the two teams going for the title, so it has that, these are the two big teams air about it, right? So it's weirdly more like Barcelona Real Madrid than, than anything else, um, which really speaks poorly of, you know, Manchester United, Arsenal, uh, Chelsea, uh, Spurs right now. Um, we'll, be, we'll be talking about Leicester City later, who are the actual team, in in second place, uh, hmm. but yeah, like I, w- I wonder if it just needs some some new branding. Maybe Liverpool, Man City, because it's not Liverpool, Everton. It's not Man City, Man United. It's not Liverpool, Man United. It, maybe it just needs like a some sort of new Northwest branding.
1: Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, I don't know. We should work on that for sure. But anyway, this game didn't go how I thought it would. I thought this would be a very cagey affair. I thought it'd be more similar to the last time these guys met at Anfield when it was that nil-nil and Ria put the um, penalty into Sergio Ramos territory. <laughs> and yeah, it was quite a lot more open, wasn't it? Quite a lot more entertaining pretty much from the outset in this one.
0: Yep. I And I think it's because I mean, it's because of that opening incident, right, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, I, I sent a prayer up to the football guards that we wouldn't have to talk VAR this Monday, but I'm I'm <laughs> it wasn't answered it wasn't heard okay. <laughs> um, but I think that that sort of opening that basically a goal after six minutes is what opened this whole game up I think
1: yeah definitely and it, it was quite odd because it felt like City were pounding Liverpool for those first five minutes and it was very much against the run of play if that can be such a thing after six minutes but yeah obviously we're going to have to address the uh, one of two VAR situations no three let's call it three VAR situations okay. in this game First off with the, the, the double handball from which Liverpool broke to score their goal. So the Premier League issued a statement afterwards saying VAR checked the penalty appeal for handball. I should probably explain the situation first. Bernardo Silva basically has the ball cannon into his hand. It then cannons into Trent Alexander-Arnold's hand. The ball breaks downfield and they score the opening goal of this one with the Fabinho with a... Very, very high-quality finish, oh, by yeah. the way. But the, the, the Premier League statement on the uh, the action building up to that goal, the VAR checked the penalty appeal for handball against Trent Alexander-Arnold and confirmed the on-field decision that it did not meet the considerations for a deliberate handball. Now, the thing that gets me about this statement is deliberate because I thought we weren't really making a discrepancy between whether a handball was deliberate or not anymore. Like, if we look at the Champions League final, was that deliberate? Um, it, it's, it seems like... There, the rules are a bit grey on this kind of situation, doesn't it? And are we, are we to say that it wasn't, uh, there wasn't the the play wasn't stopped there, or it didn't make the goal not count because too much had happened after those handballs, and the, you know the, the the transition away from that? Did did these handballs cancel each other out in some bizarre <laughs> new rule that, that the Premier League have put in here? What? There was a, a ex-referee Bobby Madley, I think he said as of as of this season, a goal can't be scored. If the ball touches the hand or the arm in the build-up, even if it isn't deliberate. So that's the next Premier League referee saying that. We've got the the Premier League making this confusing statement, bringing in the term deliberate to it. Oh, I don't know. Where do you fall on this one, Daryl?
0: So I actually, I think the statement isn't great, right? Because once you use the word deliberate, it it opens up a whole can of worms. And also the statement doesn't give any explanation as to why the handball wasn't given against Trent Alexander-Arnold, right? Yeah. I think based on uh, what we've seen and what Premier League has, you know, some rules available on their website, um, it does say that, basically I'm saying we can maybe deduce ourselves and figure out why it wasn't given, right? And my my best guess is that there's a, there's a phrase on the website that explains that players are given extra leeway um, if it hits their hand as a result um, of... Uh, uh, like a ricochet or a deflection. So my guess is that they're giving Trent Alexander-Arnold extra leeway because that ball sort of pops up when Lovren tackles Bernardo Silva. And I think does hit Silva in the arm, like he sort of chicken wings it accidentally yeah. um, towards Trent Alexander-Arnold. And even though it's not really, really close proximity, right? It travels a few yards. I think TAA has been given extra leeway because of that ricochet. And honestly, if they come out and said that, I think people would be a lot happier with the explanation uh, then just, we confirm our own decision, is essentially what the, uh, what the statement was, right?
1: Yeah, and it seems the general consensus is justice was done in this situation, but it does feel like the, the law that has been applied to this is definitely very, very cloudy. But if I may offer some thumbs down, I'd like to offer some thumbs down to a pair of players in this situation. Firstly, Sergio Aguero. Um, the ball is virtually at his feet during this situation. But he kind of stops play to wave his arms and complain about a handball rather than, you know, trying to put that circle, spherical thing in the net instead. Yeah. That didn't go down very well with me, I didn't think. I mean no. place of the whistle, right? That's what Liverpool did.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And because it gives Virgil van Dijk enough time to sort of calmly take a step with the ball and find the pass to Andy Robertson. And it's yeah. Robertson that releases Mane down the left. It's the... It's the extra second that Van Dijk was allowed that allowed him to start the counter-attack. So if you compare that with what happens at the other end when Man City tried to clear Liverpool's counter-attack, is it uh, Gundogan, who, because he's under pressure, I can't remember from which player, it might be Firmino, because he's under pressure, he does a panicky poke clearance, and that's what goes straight to Fabinho, so he can sort of smash it bottom left corner, right? Sergio Aguero has done the opposite of that and let Van Dijk calmly play the ball out. Yeah,
1: exactly. And he was the uh, candidate for my other thumbs down, Ilkay Gundogan, in that particular situation. That clearance was terrible. I don't think people are talking about this enough in that situation. It got me thinking about how it was quite indicative of the issues that Manchester City are having this season in general, in that they haven't bought... Centre back coverage, or enough. They didn't have enough centre back coverage, so Fernandinho is having to drop back, and so Gundogan almost, in some ways, playing the Fernandinho role. Well, in fact, they're doing a four uh, two a four two three one instead instead of the four three three that Pep would probably prefer to play with Fernandinho protecting protecting the back line essentially on his own. Yeah, and I was just thinking, there's not in, in no way. If that was Fernandinho who got to that ball first, would he have done that feeble little pass the ball out? And there's not a single City player near it. And F- Fabinho's got a long time to adjust himself. And and also, if you watch uh, Gundogan after he releases that ball, just sort of, sort of casually just strolling in the penalty area, <laughs> not, trying, not trying to close down anything, not trying to uh, atone for that sin at all. So I thought that that was not just a poor error on his part, but also it sort of revealed to me one of City's big problems uh, in this campaign, and I will say, you know, they they done they, they done pretty well, and um, City were good in this game. I thought they were very good in this game. Rodri actually was saying he thought they were better than Liverpool, which is big chat. But I'm, uh, <laughs> I'd say that they were certainly very good and didn't embarrass themselves in any way. Thought Angelino was very good in the in the fullback position in this one. Got some good crosses in, particularly towards the end of the game. But yeah, having having to do that four two three one instead of the preferred format, he would have. I think is a big issue and it says a lot about Guardiola and the and the decisions he made this summer and perhaps even that they're really missing Vincent company at this time as well.
0: Before we talk centre-backs, I actually want to go back to that Fabinho goal. Um, there's an angle where uh, Gundogan could have played the pass to Kyle Walker Kyle Walker is wide open if Gundogan just takes an extra second and looks up. Um, yeah. Instead, he pokes it away. But And then the thing that I think is really, really impressive is if you watch as the play develops, Fabinho doesn't go charging into the box. He deliberately drops away from everybody. And he end. that's why he ends up with so much time and space to hit that shot. And the, the thing that really struck me is it's a, it's a nice reminder of... In the Premier League and maybe all of the top five leagues, there are a lot of players who if you give them just, you know, a free shot, essentially, can always put it exactly where they want it. Do you know what I mean? These yeah. players are of such a high standard, but the problem is because the defending in all these like top leagues is so good, you ne- almost never ever have the time to just, you know, look up, pick your spot and and uh, like hit it as hard as you want, where you want. This is the rare exception where Fabinho has found the space to be able to be able to do that.
1: I love that. I love a goal like that. And I love that sort of split second before he winds up to take it when you're like, go on, he's going to hit this, isn't he? <laughs> isn't that just a joyous moment of being a soccer fan? I do enjoy that. And as yes. you say, it's quite rare because he, he typically at this level should have been closed down before he had the chance to get that one off. But I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed um, the James Madison goal, which is sort of a similar kind of yes. strike, which I guess we'll but talk more, about later as well. But more one in- of my
0: favorite. More English. Uh, <laughs> yeah the low drive the low drive love it love it um yeah. so the, in the 13th minute um it, it's 2-0 with the Mohamed Salah goal and I actually think this goal is more illustrative of Manchester City's lack of centre-backs because I'm sure we'll talk build-up and fall back to full because everyone's very excited about that and quite rightly yeah. but when Andy Robertson sends this cross in um it finds Salah at the far post but um if you notice Fernandinho is sort of flailing at it in a way that I don't imagine um, a full-time centre-back would be flailing at this they either would have uh, been in a better position or literally would have been taller and (laughs) would have been able to get to it
1: yeah I think this is a a much bigger problem perhaps Guardiola lets on this this centre-back situation having Fernandinho back there not ideal he's not he's not he's relatively advanced in years I think I saw somewhere on Twitter um a stat about the amount of goals per game they've been letting in without Laporte yeah, and it was something like 0.6 per game last season or with him and it's in the ones it's like 1.1 without him so it's, it's a big difference maker for this kind of thing and for this kind of team so yeah not exactly I, I just think that it's almost it almost feels like arrogance that the fact that Guardiola just goes and buys more and more fullbacks <laughs> <laughs> he loves buying those fullbacks instead of maybe filling in this do, does, is there a bit of ego in that perhaps thinking yeah we'll, we'll be okay we'll Would, be okay at the back
0: I so you I think you're more familiar with Man City's squad situation than I am um obviously uh Vincent Company retired last year that's why he's no longer with the team um Laporte is injured right so that's why he's unavailable yep. correct does that just leave Stones, Otamendi and then Fernandinho filling in
1: yeah well they've got a couple of um youth products they could come through like players like uh, Taylor Howard bellis who played really well on the US tour, and Eric Garcia, who's pretty highly rated as well. But it seems just Pep only likes to use those kind of players for 10 minutes in League Cup games, basically. Yeah, the Phil Foden Doesn't, treatment. I mean, <laughs> exactly, precisely that. And you think, you know, let's let's look at, say, Frank Lampard's Chelsea. He's taken the opposite, well, admittedly forced to take the opposite um, approach and, um, and giving faith in youth. And you have to think that if, maybe, just maybe, if City gave a bit more uh, trust in those younger players coming through, which is something they've never really done in this post-takeover uh, uh, era, instead of having a 34-year-old back there, things might be different.
0: Yeah, so they need their own Tomori, right? Manchester City need yeah. their Tomori. Exactly. And they may, exactly. they may have one, but they're, they're just not going to use him. They need Mori Tomori. Mori Can we talk full-back build-up? Because in the build-up to this Salah goal in the 13th minute, it is that magical moment where Trent Alexander-Arnold... Takes a touch backwards, which I think is important, because I noticed when he Mm. takes a touch backwards, Bernardo Silva goes sprinting to sort of close down. And then left-footed switches the field all the way over to Robertson, who is suddenly um, in enough space to, to whip that cross in to Mohamed Salah. So it was fullback to fullback to wide attacker in just a few seconds, right?
1: this was a wonderful move not just that as you say trent alexander completely sold bernardo on that one but the the zigzag across the field the amazing pass to robertson the amazing pinpoint cross that robertson put in there really nicely done <laughs> but but another yet another incident here where var is uh coming into play or rather not coming into play in the this was another controversial offside decision wasn't it i mean This is something we talked about last week on the show with with, uh, Taylor. In that, it's how and when you draw the lines, and in what frame of motion you draw the lines. And I got boring and talked about frames per second. But (laughs) if we're going on 24 frames a second, there could be three to four frames when the ball looks like it's leaving a player's foot. Um, Where do you draw the line? Because that makes a big difference in terms of where Salah is on that back line. And let's not take anything away from the quality of the goal, but. It just, it, it, I don't know, it just feels like it's another its another situation where VAR has muddied the waters a little bit.
0: Did the linesman's flag go up or not?
1: No, I don't think so. So
0: in a non-VAR world, this would have just been, oh, there's a suspicion of offside, but no one flags, so it's all good, right?
1: Yeah, so maybe I'm being a bit petty by bringing it up.
0: <laughs> well, and I don't mean to accuse you of that, but I do think that this yeah. VAR thing has become, essentially, any time there is a marginal or controversial decision it like, gets filed under the category of VAR. And then VAR is like forced to absorb every marginal decision as a controversy in the Premier League. And I think, honestly, yeah. it's just the nature of the Premier League. is that It's so high-profile and dramatic and then over-analyzed, because we won't be the only people talking about this uh, this Monday morning, right? Um, mm. That I think it doesn't help VAR's reputation that there's just so much going on in the Premier League, essentially.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think that also helps to highlight the inconsistency if you look back at the Sheffield United uh, Tottenham game the day before Sheffield United had a an offside decision which was checked very quickly and ruled out and it felt like that process if it was done it certainly wasn't very transparent that it was done and we didn't really I don't think we even saw a replay of it until quite a bit later on so I, I, I don't know I don't want to take anything away from the goal and, and that, that passage of play was wonderful and deserved to have something come from it. But it just feels like there's another example of VAR being a bit inconsistent. And c- can we also drag in the uh, the incident towards the end of the game, I think sort of 82nd, 83rd minute, where once again, the ball strikes. Um, yes. <laughs> the ball strikes, turns out Alexander on his hand. This is, is this and, when Sterling's running at him? Uh, yeah, this is when Ster- And Sterling had a great game, by the way. He was everywhere. For a player who could... Rightfully going back into his shell when he's taking on Liverpool at Anfield for for various reasons. Yeah,
0: I mean he was getting booed, he, he, right? There was I heard some some booing. of oh, yeah. Raheem Sterling. Yeah,
1: yeah, that, yeah. And he was he was I, I was I was very impressed with him in the runs he was making. That he was finding space for himself. Maybe on the ball more than he would even be normally uh, in terms of uh, taking things on himself. But yeah. This was the one that really sent Pep apoplectic, wasn't it? When yes. he was waving the two fingers, two times now, <laughs> two times now, at the assistant.
0: I mean, the, I mean this what, one why, I this one I can explain away as well. I think this one is about proximity, right? This is one of those ones where um, the, the defender is given leeway because the ball is just fired directly into his hand from close range.
1: Yeah, and I think we can justify it with, by saying things like that, but I think there's been instances where that kind of decision has been given. And I think that we don't really have a concrete rule where we can have a Premier League statement that doesn't even make sense by, you know, that contradicts themselves, basically. Yeah. There's no. I, I feel like we just need to be clearer. I'd like for there to be almost like an NFL-style announcement on the field.
0: Oh, of, of why it wasn't given, yeah. Because basically yeah. we get, like, no penalty or whatever, right? We get the, yeah. the board that says that. But um, it would be nice to get an explanation. I The one thing I... I don't agree with what Pep said after the game, where he was essentially saying you've got a. He wants he wants the uh, referees to explain themselves. I, I, basically, I don't agree with him like pressuring them like that. But I think it would be helpful if someone from I've forgotten the name of the referee organisation, but it has the word limited at the end because um, <laughs> it's a company, right? Um,
1: yeah, PG whatever that one.
0: That's the one. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it would be good if they came out with um, statements that were more uh, detailed than. We we checked our own decision and we agree with our own decision. I would like like some explanation of <laughs> how they arrived at that decision. I honestly think it would do a good job of educating the public, educating me, just letting me know why certain decisions were made. Because in the yeah, end, definitely. everything is um, even though uh, even though we use video review, um, everything is subjective, right? And you're like the, the the fact that the word leeway is in the uh, the instructions that that tells you everything about how it's going to be subjective and whether the referee thinks this passes a certain boundary or not um so a quick simple explanation of why the referee made the decision i think will go a long way
1: i think people would appreciate transparency and particularly for the stadium experience where by all accounts people are just standing there for three or four minutes thinking you know i don't know what's happening here even just a little message on the screen might be nice to give some a, a rationale behind these decisions and and as you say, just for the referees to say, we checked it. We're fine. Don't worry about it. Everything's good. Everything's good. This is quite a high stakes game. is quite, you know, a lot of people care about these decisions being made and it really wouldn't. I don't I think it would help them more than hinder them. It would create more trust in the process if they were to be a bit more transparent
0: about it. How about there's a sponsorship opportunity here? If people are standing around for three or four minutes, how about someone like Carling give away free drinks if you're standing for longer than three minutes?
1: <laughs> that could be troublesome. That could be troublesome. <laughs> you'd, have, you'd have a you'd have a good nine minutes of free drinks in this game. Yeah, minimum, wouldn't you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Everyone gets an extra three points <laughs> Winner, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. The uh, then you'd if, be just
1: encouraging <laughs> encouraging mistakes from the from the game. Then wouldn't do, you? do you
0: remember the Carlsberg ads? It would be if Carlsberg did VAR. <laughs> <laughs> if
1: Carlsberg did VAR, they just wouldn't use it. <laughs>
0: All the VAR, um, the, the referees would all be drinking, and they'd be like, "Ah, oh, it's fine, don't worry about." <laughs> they would be a lot more chill. they would be a lot more. All those chill.
1: referees in the in the in the room in the in the parking lot, wherever the uh, wherever the VAR yeah. studio is, just sitting there with their feet up on the counters, <laughs> drinking, carling. Oh yeah, we'll check that one in a minute. We'll get back to you at halftime.
0: Speaking of being chill, Pep was not chill.
1: No, he. I love. Don't you just love passive aggressive Pep? Because he doesn't get furious and shout. Apart from when he's shouting, you know second time second time but when yeah. he's on camera he, and that very 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 sarcastic thank you very much that he gave to the officials oh yeah yeah and you could see how threatened the officials all three of them standing there when he was doing it after the game they all looked like don't move just don't move just don't say anything just shake his hand yeah and i saw a headline earlier this morning saying oh pep won't be punished for his uh, for his behavior after this game i was like well he did just say thank you very much. And yeah, watching the Jeffries interview afterwards, Pep, he didn't say anything remotely controversial. He was just nodding and agreeing and saying, you've got to check with the referees, <laughs> got to check with the referees, nothing to do with me. He was very tight-lipped about it, which I thought was uh, a non-punishable yeah. response.
0: I mean, that's proof that Pep is not a bold fraud. He's a master tactician, the way he handled that <laughs> referee situation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> definitely so definitely so
0: i would yeah. say um i would give credit to jürgen klopp speaking of tactics um i think he did a really smart thing in this game um in terms of uh, this is a big thing i noticed that i just wanted to to make sure to get across um liverpool were very clever i think at just playing the ball backwards and drawing man city out and then switching the field a lot the reason i was so excited about that Salar mm. goal um is because it's one of those things where, yes, there was this famous incident where Alexander-Arnold switched the ball to Andy Robertson, but it wasn't like the only time that happened. That happened multiple, multiple times throughout the game. They kept going backwards and switching the field. And you mentioned it was a zigzag type move, right, to get up the field for that goal. They zigzagged their way up the field multiple times, not always with so much space, sometimes much more slowly. But I really think Klopp has figured figured something out here where you essentially let Man City come after you and you go backwards but then you switch the field and then you go backwards it's almost like rugby you know how rugby you'll pass the ball all the way across to the other side and then all the way back again and slowly make progress I think that was Liverpool's game plan so I kind of think Guardiola got out tacticked here because even though it looks like Man City were in control I think Liverpool were in control by going backwards which makes no sense but it makes sense to me
1: Guardiola, how tactics? Say it quietly, Dan. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that. Is was that technique of sort of switching and doing those zigzags? Is it just a bit more of a dressed-up Route One?
0: Kind of. Yeah, it's like a. You um, can't be Route One, right? Because Route One goes south to north, so it's whatever goes east to west.
1: <laughs> in terms of just, it's, it's, a root, it's, it's basically... Route
0: sixty-six. That's what it is. It's Route sixty-six.
1: <laughs> it's hoofing, though, isn't it? It's hoofball, but it's done in a diagonal <laughs> yeah. pretty fashion. Sideways hoof ball. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Pulis would be proud that's all I'm saying but it,
0: it does work because when Man City sort of press you they crowd over to one side so they do yeah. give you the room to switch it over to the other side via Route 66
1: yeah definitely and I think obviously this is nothing new how good Alexander Arnold and Robertson are and how important they are to this team but they're, they're the playmakers they are the yeah. PLO registrars of this uh, <laughs> of this team aren't they
0: yeah they remind this me the of just... like what, remember when Dani Alves for Pep's Barcelona was weirdly instrumental and then, like, Marcelo when mm. Real Madrid were great. They kind of remind me of those two, which is very high praise. But again, I stand by it.
1: Yeah, love it. <laughs> all good. So do, do you um, another one more question on this game. Do you think the title race is over in any way? Because I saw a few people and a few sort of, you know, banterish Twitter accounts saying, oh, no, it's all done now. You know, Liverpool nine points ahead. But it does feel like history has told us that Liverpool can see that kind of lead. And I think... Of what, course. Uh, it, last December, they had a 10-point lead. Yeah, I mean... And they've got a 9-point lead now. I mean, after 20 games last season, they had a 7-point lead, which they gave away as well. So to, I think it's... We're still in very early days with this many games down. And I think that we have a very long way to go here. And it, it reminds me of how, when we look back at City, say, last season, we're all just thinking, this team's never going to lose again. They're just going to get stronger and stronger. Uh, they're going to dominate. This is going to be like Bayern winning it seven times in a row. It's going it's to turn into that kind of dynasty. But it hasn't. It's been a bit more cyclical than that, hasn't it? And I think we're going to see that kind of drop from this Liverpool side. They, I don't believe they can maintain this all season long.
0: No, and that's... So I agree, the title race is absolutely not over. I mean, mostly because it's November, right? There's a long, yeah. <laughs> a long, long way to go. And like you said, teams, including Liverpool, have had big points leads um, around this time of the season before. Uh, for me, this is the, the huge joy of the Premier League and the title race, is now that every week... I can watch Liverpool and be like, okay, can they stand up to the pressure and keep going? Because what I've enjoyed so far is they've really pulled it out a couple of times, right? Like being, I think they were down to Aston Villa and had that comeback recently. And then a little longer ago, they were down to Leicester and had a big late comeback. And I I find that stuff absolutely thrilling, watching teams either um, rise to meet the pressure or completely crack and fold under pressure or Mm. somewhere in between. And I I think that's, that's what makes the title race exciting.
1: But at the same time, I'm a bit concerned for City as well, because the, the, the nature in which they've dropped points this season, it feels it feels a little bit different to the nature in which they dropped them last season. When they went through that patch sort of around New Year, uh, um, when they lost to what well, they, well, they lost to like Newcastle and Palace and I think yeah. they lose to Leicester. Was that the other one? It, 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 this feels like a bit less isolated than that.
0: Yeah, you that can sort sense. of see problems, right? You can see, like, the, yeah. the weird Gundogan poke clearance that looked very, again, uh, Sunday League, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I've done that clearance and been proud of it. But it, wasn't, it didn't go straight to Fabinho. So well,
1: someone shouted, get it out! Yeah, exactly. You, you Away!
0: <laughs> <laughs> they were just shouting Total Soccer Show sponsors. Um, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, thing, things like that, I think, are kind of new for City. I, I haven't seen exactly that before. I wonder if there'll be yeah. some January shopping for, uh, for Pep Guardiola.
1: Yeah, they well, well, they did bring Laporte in in January a few years back, didn't they? So yeah. that was maybe they should do another go big on a centre back.
0: Yeah, so could, could be. So could be we'll helpful. see. Um, all right, lots, lots more to talk about. But first, Ryan, today's show is sponsored by our old friends at SeatGeek. I feel like every Monday yeah. we're sponsored by SeatGeek.
1: Yeah, I do seem to talk about them a lot, and I like talking about them because I think they're really good. This is a place, of course, where you can get all your live tickets for your music, for your your sporting events, just about anything you want to buy tickets for. uh, You can get them on SeatGeek, where the customer comes first. More than 50,000 five-star reviews in the App Store. The thing I love, Daryl, which I've explained many times on this show, is this rating system they have. A rating of 1 to 10 as to whether your ticket is good value or not. Yes. It's got a traffic light going with it as well. Green is good. Red is bad. <laughs> um so I, i've been look i'm actually in the process of buying some tickets uh to go and see the whatever the nhl team in las vegas are called they're playing uh, the rangers uh, in december i'm going to go check that out and uh there, there's some really good deals to be had there also i like to get my concert tickets on here yeah You're you do I've fan. Heard. Do you like dinosaur junior because they're in they're in a, they're in my my town they're in charlotte i've um, i've
0: heard of dinosaur junior i can't go any further than that they're pretty cool. I think you should check them
1: out. All right, and they have—I mean, as a, in terms of the band name, Dinosaur Junior. That's cool, isn't it?
0: Th- have they been around quite a while?
1: Yeah, yeah, the uh, early '90s kind of deal. Can you I can think you they-
0: name a hit for me, and it might jug my memory? I feel like Taylor has a, a much deeper and broader musical knowledge than I do.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you, there's a lot of things you'd have heard. They're sort of sub sort of. Um, uh, sub grunge sort of uh thing jay mascus is the singer and he looks a bit like jesus these days so they're a good band but in terms of their band name i think them and my favorite band name of all time is super furry animals yes it's a great like brand that? name yeah isn't that great could you imagine them sitting around in the room going what should we call our band and these, like, <laughs> super furry animals so and then jay mascus is sitting there going yeah dinosaur junior dinosaur junior
0: <laughs> Sup- super furries i do know because they're sort of 90s brit pop right aren't they a welsh band
1: yeah, they're, they're from Wales, yes, yeah. and they are, they are insane, and they're very, they're very fun, yeah. My musical
0: knowledge is very constrained to, like, 92 to 98.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, well, my theory is that no, no music worth listening to was made after 1999.
0: There we go. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, so will you be paying full price uh, for your Dinosaur Junior tickets, or have you found a way to get $10 off?
1: Uh, well, there is a way to get $10 off from 1st customers at SeatGeek. I would love to tell you about that. And if you go to SeatGeek, or either on the app or on your desktop, use the promo code TSS, which apparently stands for something or other. $10 off on your first purchase. Totally solid
0: code. seats. That's what it stands for. Totally, totally
1: sol- superior seating arrangements. There we go. $10 off. I've added an A on there. <laughs> but, um, for your concert tickets, for your sports, for comedy. Whatever
0: you really want, people it's Seat the Geek. fastest and bestest way to find tickets thank you to SeatGeek for sponsoring today's episode up next uh we talked about the team at the top of the table liverpool let's talk about the team that is second in the premier league it's leicester city leicester city beat arsenal 2-0 brendan Rodgers has got the foxes flying which is amazing because foxes usually don't fly
1: <laughs> typically no it's a very bad uh, situation if they are um yeah, Leicester look lovely. This was another enjoyable game to watch. Apart from if you're uh, an Arsenal sympathiser, of course. Yeah. Do you think that? Do you think that um, Brendan Rodgers is going to stop Liverpool winning the Premier League for the second time? Oh, it, you know?
0: Ryan, that's harsh. It's harsh. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I. I, I
1: I'm a. Uh, i am I do have, like to poke fun at Brendan Rodgers because he's a fairly ridiculous person, but he's also a very solid manager. Yes. And I think what I appreciate is that. Uh, you know, he, when people when he left Celtic to go to Leicester, there was a lot of head scratching. Like, is that a step up? And he's very much treated it as a step up. And he's not. He doesn't. He, he's not approached this as like a, a going to a middling Premier League team. He's got ambition here. Yeah, and he has got this team purring, and he's got them playing. You know, I, I mean, would you say player for player, Arsenal have better players, but they're just not a team like Leicester are? Is that fair to say, or maybe there's there's certain positions where I would te- definitely take the Leicester player instead, but. It feels like they're they're better than the sum of their parts, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, I think maybe like the Jamie Vardy versus Aubameyang and Lacazette comparison is a good one. I think Lacazette and Aubameyang are both superior players, but Jamie Vardy just gets it done. (laughs) So I also think, in a weird way, Leicester are definitely set up... I mean, here's a really good example. Leicester is set up to maximise Jamie Vardy's effectiveness, whereas... In this game, Arsenal ended up with Lacazette and Aubameyang essentially playing left mid and right mid.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, I don't know, there's, there's, there's plenty to be said about the way Emery sets up his team as well. And I mean, one of my big criticisms of him has been that he hasn't really used, also he hasn't used the number 10 position. We've seen uh, previous Emery sides, you know, using some very good number 10 players like your Rakitic's and your and, uh, one matter. Yeah. Um, and, and hasn't really done that with this team, hasn't tried to play the ball nicely. and, and
0: Well, he did, and he did try in this game, right? If he looked, did try in this game, yeah. I, I looked yeah, at the he's, setup he's, as a 3-4-1-2 with Ozil just underneath Aubameyang um, and Lacazette. But it, yes. it seemed like it was all set up to make that happen. But then Leicester just forced Arsenal all the way back, right? Like the wing backs ended up in a back five, kind of. And Perez yeah. and Pereira down one side and Barnes and Chilwell down the other side had, uh, who are Arsenal's fullbacks? Uh, uh, Bellerin and. Bellerin and Kalasnitsch. Kalasnitsch uh, were, were like pinned all the way back. And then again, I mentioned earlier, Obama, and Lacazette, they could either choose to let Arsenal's fullbacks be two on, like be two on one against them, be overloaded. Or they had to go back and help, and suddenly you're a centre forward playing like extra left back.
1: Yeah, it's, it's odd here because all the stuff I criticise him for having. I mean, Emery, you know, traditionally has a pretty solid defence in his team, and, and traditionally uses like a number ten with a bit of flair. And in this game, he played a flat back five essentially, and he did have the, as a, a kind of in the number ten position. So, but but there was no end result from this, and. I mean you could say about Emery's defense you know he hasn't had a couple of key defenders Bellerin and uh, holding not not playing and for the whole season they were in this game and the I guess the plan was to try and park it a little bit against sort of the lesser players coming forward and it just didn't work did it they just they were just out outmatched in this one
0: I actually wonder if the plan wasn't to park it but was to you know have Bellerin and Krasnetch like like bombing forward and Ozil underneath two strikers. It was supposed to be like a really attacking setup, but yeah, how then did that go? it didn't go well, right? It ended up being a super defensive setup because <laughs> Leicester forced them back. I really think maybe this is a major Brendan Rodgers um, tactical and I want to say motivational victory over Unai Emery.
1: Yeah. yeah. Do you know how everybody looks back at sort of George W. Bush now and thinks, "Oh, wasn't he great?" <laughs> and he's got this, he's had this reevaluation. He just liked to paint. That's all that George W. Bush was about. <laughs> it kind of feels like the same. Rose tinted glasses are being uh, pointed in the direction of Arsene Wenger at the moment, doesn't he? He's, he must be feeling pretty good about himself because of the way that Emery has basically. Uh, it, it, this is a weaker and less attractive version yeah. of Wenger's team. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no where it has excelled above Wenger's team, is it?
0: Ryan Bailey, was it you that tweeted a photo of Arsene Wenger on the beach after this after this result? Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> I think you I think you're right I think on the beach kind of encapsulates it but um, everything you just said is is correct because I think especially under Wenger the team had an identity right you could say maybe they overpassed the ball a little bit and like m- maybe too dedicated to aesthetically pleasing football but Unai Emery I've been watching Arsenal teams now for a season and a half and I couldn't tell you what Unai Emery wants to do. He seems to set it up slightly differently every week. He seems to react to the opposition every week. And I couldn't tell you what the Arsenal style of play is. And I feel like a year and no. a bit in, that's a major problem, right? Well, on that, I'll tell you
1: what. If you were, let's say you were colourblind. Uh, go with me here. You were colourblind and okay. you're watching this on a fuzzy stream. Uh, and say you watch that first goal go in, where it's passed beautifully from the side into the net. Is this the Vardy that goal? Class- the Vardy goal, yeah. the first one, the opener. That was a classic Arsenal goal. It was
0: right. Yeah, Harvey Barnes could have you been Jack Wilshere.
1: I was like, if I told you on this fuzzy stream and you're colourblind, identify which team is Arsenal out of these two.
0: Yeah, I'd be. Oh yeah, that's could a that's a Wenger team. Yeah, it
1: was. <laughs> and there's a lot of Wenger-esque uh, movement and lovely passing going on that Leicester are doing, and uh, and with those airborne
0: foxes that you uh, <laughs> mentioned. <there. laughs> um one big uh tactical thing i want to i want to key in on is wilfred and didi um mm. i got the feeling watching this game that he is the key to everything because he he sort of doesn't join the attack he sits there like in defensive midfield ready to sort of win any loose balls or to stop any counter-attacks and that means there are five people ahead of him right like perez tillemans uh barnes and who's the other central Madders. oh Madders, 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 james madison and then jamie vardy ahead who can kind of press the opposition knowing that if anything gets through wilfrid Indeedy is there to catch it and that's kind of what yeah. happened throughout this entire game and it happened very specifically for the second goal it was indeedy stepped won the ball started a counter-attack um, and then very soon after that it's two nil lester
1: yeah, I think. Did he, did, he, um, did he have a poke? Did he hit the post as well?
0: He did, he did yeah. Yeah, he did. I think
1: he did, yeah. So he's, he's, he has the usual getting forward, too. And yeah, they're just such a lovely team to watch. And I've got so much goodwill towards them as well. And they're fullbacks as well. I love Pereira. Yes. He's great. I think Chilwell on the other side is very fun to watch as well. I, I mean, I, I said it facetiously about the Brendan Rodgers question, but do you think there's any way that they are in the title one? It feels like they've got a very solid chance of playing some Champions League soccer next season but do you think they're going to you know is second place theirs is that I mean it's it's early in the season to have this kind of conversation as I've said previously but it feels like they're very well positioned for it
0: so how close are we we said that Liverpool were nine points clear of Man City they are what seven points clear of Leicester
1: is it eight I think it might be eight it might be Uh, eight let me pull the
0: table up we'll make we'll make this happen uh Leicester have 26 points and Liverpool have 34 so you are correct. Yeah, eight That's pints. eight by my math. It certainly is. That's good math. Good math. <laughs> so I was using math and you were using maths. That's that's what happened there. <laughs> yeah, <okay>. yeah. <laughs> um, one was right. I, it's weird, right? Any other any other team, I would say, oh, it's early in the season, they're doing well, but they'll eventually fall off because they're not one of the big teams. But there mm. was definitely a year where you could have said that all year and at the end of the season, Leicester were holding the trophy.
1: Yeah, definitely. We've seen this kind of thing before. They're well drilled. What they've won the last... Five in a row in all comps now i think their last four their aggregate score is 16-1
0: oh that includes that nine 0 win over southampton
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. statistics right
0: <laughs> yeah. But i do think if we look back to that that title winning season it was the same 11 almost every week right it was really really consistent and guys like yeah. uh angolo kante riyad Mahrez, and jamie vardy had career seasons basically and I wonder mm. if you could switch that out and th- think they're kind of doing the same thing with, say, Ndidi, Madison, and Vardy again.
1: Maybe so. Do you think... Um, how much credit should we give Colleen Rooney for, um, for this Leicester force <laughs> at the moment? Do you well? think she's had, a, she's had an impact here?
0: Maybe, maybe. I, I wonder firing. if it's like... Rebecca Vardy's just been in a, in a bad mood so Jamie Vardy spent more time at the training ground
1: that's what I mean yeah he's he's you know maybe he's he's knocked off the skittles and Volker a little bit spending more <laughs> time at the training ground he's fired up you know the world's against the Vardy's right now
0: I imagine more skittles, more skittles more skittles because it gives you it gives you energy that you've got to burn right
1: did he say that he gave up the skittles and vodka? I can't Did remember. He? he said he gave up, or maybe he has more. Maybe it's, it's one or the other.
0: For some reason, it's the skittles part that I find really charming. I think giving up vodka is good for a footballer, but <laughs> skittles feels very childish, right?
1: Does he does he does he soak them in the vodka so that it becomes like skittles-flavored vodka? Is that what he Or is he just pounding skittles while he drinks vodka from a bottle in a alleyway? I think if he
0: hears it now, he'll be he'll be soaking them in the vodka because that sounds like a magnificent idea. <laughs> Will they absorb through that shell? Will they absorb?
1: Only one way to find out.
0: <laughs> so we know what Ryan's doing the rest of the day. We also know why he has to keep visiting the dentist.
1: <laughs> My dentist loves me, makes a fortune out of me.
0: Shall we talk Pulisic FC?
1: Pulisic FC, as they shall henceforth be known. It's, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because we have kind of been conditioned to dislike Chelsea, right?
0: I the personally kind of- haven't, but I, I understand where you're coming from.
1: Well, I'm, I support a team from two miles down the road from Chelsea, so okay. I certainly have. Um, and
0: I'm guessing this was about, like, they were the first team to have the billionaire owner come in and spend a load of money, right? That's the, yes. that's the history there of why some people don't like Chelsea Football Club.
1: Exactly. Cynical petrol dollars first landed in, uh, at Stamford Bridge, and it's, it's like Loki, isn't it? You know, he was a bad guy and <laughs> un- turned good.
0: I haven't seen the Disney Plus series yet, but yeah, I guess Did so.
1: Loki turn good? I think he turned good. He did something <laughs> virtuous at some point. He
0: t- he turned good, but you can't fully trust him.
1: <laughs> That's a great summary of Chelsea.
0: Because <laughs> as soon as the transfer embargo is listed, lifted, um, maybe Tammy Abraham and Mason Mount and Tamori and all these young players that we're really excited about, maybe they all get replaced.
1: Yeah, maybe goes some, yeah. Shevchenko comes back. Yeah. <laughs> <up there.
0: laughs> <laughs> Put your boots back on, Andre. Put your boots back on.
1: <laughs> One last ride, Andre. One last ride. <laughs> we'll get it right yeah. this
0: time. We'll get it right this time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, my, my point, my b- bigger point being there, that Chelsea are very likable at the moment. The Frank yeah. Lampard experiment is going wonderfully well. Mm-hmm. And star of the show, the man who was kept back and had us all panicked for the first few weeks of the season, Mr. Pulisic. Yeah. Another amazing, uh, and Pulisic is the official header specialist of the Premier League now is he not? If I'm not mistaken, is that his last three goals that have all been headers?
0: I yes, this is absolutely bizarre to me because it was a part yeah. of his game that I didn't think was very strong. Because you know he's a little skinny guy. I think uh, he
1: said the same thing after he scored that first one. He's like, I didn't score a lot of headers, you know, when I was when I was younger. And uh, he, I think he's been taken surprise the amount of aerial prowess he had.
0: Yeah, especially you know there was the whole thing of him going to the Premier League and it's more physical and this and that. And instead, he's just towering over people somehow. Yeah, um, and it is, it is, it, it's worth thinking about that. He, um, I'm sort of being facetious. He didn't really tower over anyone for this header, right? This wasn't a Virgil van Dijk header, this goal against Crystal Palace. They won 2-0, by the way, in case we uh, we didn't mention that. Pulisic <laughs> scoring the, uh, the second goal. It was really um, what he receives a nice crossfield ball from Kovacic, um, has a dribble at the defence, um, I think, doesn't he um, slip the ball into someone? I can't remember. If, I, I've lost track of this now.
1: Th- it was essentially a headed-in deflection.
0: Was it Was it Batshuayi he slips the ball into, has a shot, and it pops back up? And then Pulisic follows it in and, and heads it home, right?
1: So it's- yeah, it bounces up in the air and he, and he, and he gets his head on it. There so it was we instinctive. Go. Yes. It was a very instinctive goal. But um, to paint Pulisic as the big man up top knocking in the headers <laughs> is, is not, is not the, quite the uh, situation here. because American he's, Andy he's Carroll, the... that's what he is. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh he's uh, he, he's making some um, some really good runs. He's looking very confident. He's troubling the troubling the centre backs in this one and Palace are not an easy team to break down Is though, with that sort of wall of five they had in the middle of the field there. And he was he was I haven't got his take on numbers here but they must be pretty good. He he just looked really really good in this game and I'm very pleased for him. Yeah,
0: I think he's actually he's become the type of player that you need to go up against um, a sort of packed defence like Crystal Palace or like Burnley, they're traditionally really, really hard to break down, right? Because they have the numbers yeah. and they're sort of well-organised in that they don't easily lose their positional discipline. Um, but Pulisic has that special thing where he really can go past people. I, um, I wish I could credit who wrote this, but I, I can't remember where I read it. But I heard him described as an eel because he kind of slithers his way inwards and everybody's like... Half tackling him, but he just slithers away from them, and he suddenly makes progress. Right from wide left, he manages to um slither his way into the penalty area, and suddenly the opposition defence, which had stacked numbers, ha- has been breached by the eel Christian Pulisic.
1: The eel is that a good thing? Is it a good thing to be an eel? It, if you get well, I mean, past it it is, of, yeah. I mean, you could be a mermaid. Being, being an uh, eel, eel was pretty bad in that movie.
0: Well, being a jelly deal in London's a good thing, right?
1: That's true. <laughs> true.
0: <laughs> Your classic a London classic.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's he's just fitting right in. But I think that 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 um that sort of midfield front three that he's playing in there with Mount and Willian, they all look brilliant at the moment. Yes, certainly. and Mount Mount is fantastic, and we know that Lampard's got faith in him. He's even played him in a wide position over Pulisic earlier this season, but he's very suited to tucking in behind uh, Tammy Abraham there. Uh, and Willian, I thought, had a brilliant game here, and not just for getting forward. He gets back a lot. He, I think, yes. he defends more than people give him credit for, doesn't
0: he? I, I'd like to see how many shots he blocked because it feels like it's quite a lot. I think rumours of his demise were greatly exaggerated, and I heard Definitely. a lot of people talking about him being past it and being old. The man's thirty-one, right? This isn't <laughs> this isn't Logan's Run. We don't we don't have to get rid of people as soon as they pass thirty. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that, that does make him a serious citizen in this team, to be fair. Yeah, that's well, that, true. <laughs> their average age is 24 years and 88 days in that starting lineup, wow. which is pretty young. And that's, that's Willian bringing that up a little bit. He is, but, right, um, yeah,
0: raising the average. Um,
1: but bringing it down, Rhys James as well had a lovely game, didn't he? Yes. Fullback. Did you enjoy really
0: this? Um, Eng- I'm assuming you're also an England fan. Uh, I am suddenly really excited about the wealth of right backs that England has available. And this yeah. Rhys James performance was good enough for me to think he'll soon be in that conversation.
1: Yeah, it means finally Kyle Walker can start playing in goal for England. <laughs> well, what did you What did you like about Rhys James? Just looked pretty dynamic. I liked the way you know he was doing back things basically, and he, for a first start, I thought it was very confident.
0: Yeah, he's also he was up against uh, Zaha, right? Which is yeah one of the toughest challenges in the Premier League. If you're right back, is to have Zaha running at you, and he seemed yeah. to get the better of him. I, I haven't seen the numbers, but from what I saw. Um, I I would bet that uh, Zaha had fewer successful take-ons against James than successful ones. It seemed like Reese James had this sort of um, positional like uh, reading of where Zaha was going. Yeah. Uh, and then any time Zaha would accelerate, James could match him. And any time Zaha would try and muscle him off the, off the ball, James could match him, right? Because if, if people haven't seen Reese James, you picture in a fullback, he's a big guy for a fullback. Yeah. No,
1: it did tremendously well. Right away, That's probably the hardest position on the field going up against uh, Wilfred Zaha when you're playing Crystal Palace and uh, looking on who scored three successful dribbles, two tackles, uh, one in aerial battle, and I just I just thought that he he didn't look like it was his first start. Basically,
0: I've got one final thing I want to talk about with uh, Christian Pulisic, um, and it's his budding partnership with his fellow Croatian, sort of, um, Kovacic. <laughs> Um, I think Kovacic has been magnificent for Chelsea uh, this season. He's finally sort of been, he's finally sort of established as a, a starting eleven player every week. Did you notice the number of times Kovacic would dribble past people and then find a clever, clever, clever pass? Um, and I've noticed that him and Pulisic seem to have a bit of a connection. I've even seen photos of them Ooh. sitting next to each other um, on the team bus, and I do wonder if uh, Pulisic's Croatian heritage has led him and Kovacic to becoming sort of friends.
1: Maybe, or maybe it's just they stand quite near each other on the field. Maybe it's that, that as well. <laughs> could be that. Could, could be that simple. But it does seem like Kanto and Kovačić, uh, the, the double Ks uh, in front of the defense, there is working out very nicely. And just looking at our starting eleven, there's no, there's no weak links in there right now, is there? It, it's that's a solid, solid starting eleven. And that if you'd have seen that starting eleven at the start of the season, you'd have said, nope, that is not a solid starting eleven. But the way they're playing. Really, really good. I'm excited. I'm excited to see them after the international break as well.
0: I think it's a good, um, a good reminder to not read too much into what happens in the first week of the Premier League. Because <laughs> if you, <laughs> I remember recording a show with Taylor, where um, I think Manchester United absolutely smashed Chelsea in the first week of the Premier League, right? And I, Correct. I sat in the exact same chair on sitting him now, saying, uh, guys like Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham, maybe they're not ready for the Premier League. Yeah, turns out they are. Turns out they are, very much so. Because, I mean, you asked if Leicester were um, in the title chase. Chelsea have the exact same number of points and they're yeah. in third place.
1: Yeah, that's something we should also consider. I think maybe second and third battle between... Tottenham, and, uh, uh, Tottenham Chelsea and Leicester could uh, not Tottenham Chelsea and Leicester could definitely uh, be something that we see in the coming weeks I think it's great and I, I will say one thing on Abraham I think a couple of weeks ago on this show I sort of expressed concern about him about how you know his head drops a little bit and he, there was a game where he had a few chances and he looked very frustrated yeah. and I think I've, I've been made to look a bit silly there because <laughs> yeah. I, he's definitely not frustrated he's having a, quite a time isn't he
0: are you interested in him starting ahead of Harry Kane for England or is it too soon for that
1: could he could he could could there be a situation where Kane is no. I was gonna say could where Kane is deeper and they both start
0: Not the way Southgate sets it up, right? It's like a four three three and there's like uh usually like Sterling and Rashford are wide or Sterling and yeah. Sancho. We'll talk about Sancho later. Uh, so there's really only room for one centre forward. I like I like you trying to get out of answering the question though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know, I was trying to was trying to weasel out of that one, but the answer is probably yes. <laughs> All the right answer then. is yes, I think I'd like to say, I think I think uh, you know, there's, there's some low stakes, relatively low stakes qualifiers where Abraham could definitely be given a run out.
0: I do know England, right? England only need one point from the, next, the two internationals, the Euro 2020 qualifiers. So there's definitely a chance yeah. where if we get a point or a win in the first game, I think the second game is away to Kosovo, I might be wrong, um, where maybe Southgate could you know, experiment a little bit and give Tammy Abraham a start and give Harry Kane a rest because he probably needs one.
1: And yeah, and England do need to get out, that, out of that appalling streak of form they're in right now. Right. 100% losses in the last one games or so, isn't it?
0: <laughs> All right, you, we've got one more big game to talk about, Ryan. It's De Classica. But first, today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN allows you to access Premier League and other streams from around the world for a fraction of the price it would normally cost. Essentially, the way ExpressVPN works, if you're not familiar with VPNs, um, is it allows you to... Uh, have a different IP address so that you can trick your computer, trick the internet into thinking you're in a different country to the one that you're in. And it gives you access to all kinds of content you wouldn't otherwise have access to. I know I don't need to describe this to you, Ryan, because like me, you're an expat living abroad and longing for the BBC.
1: Definitely. So it's an, an iPlayer is something I'm, uh, I, I love to watch very much. And the VPN allows you to do that. I like to protect my IP, Daryl, not just my intellectual property, but my <laughs> IP on my computer as well. And I use it for lots of different things. I actually used it this weekend. Um, my father-in-law called me up and he said, I need to watch the Man United game. And it's not on TV in the UK. So I gave him a, gave him a sling details. And there he is on the VPN. Watching, watching NBC's coverage, and I use it a lot when I go home as well because my mum doesn't have Sky, so I like to use it to watch the games there. And also,
0: oh, so you watch US television from the UK?
1: I do. Yes, I so when I, whenever I go home, I end up watching like you know, got to watch my stories and uh <laughs> my, my HBO. I can't, you know, want to watch Silicon Valley and at my mum's house, oh. gotta fire
0: up the VPN. Rowan, what what are your stories then? Apart from Silicon Valley, what what else are you watching?
1: Oh, I like most things that HBO offer Yes, yeah. This is an HBO advert, but I do, I do <laughs> like that. And there's, there's um, I think as we were saying earlier, on Netflix there are shows that are uh, available in the US, Netflix, but not in the uk and vice versa so yes. there's some shows um there's some shows that i watch that are on the uk netflix that i like to try and watch that you can't get in the u.s store as well
0: yep the vpn will help you access those um also the, the big thing i use it for with the bbc iplayer is match of the day i don't always watch match of the day um especially if i've like managed to watch entire games the whole weekend i don't then want to watch the highlights but if i've had one of those yeah. weekends where i've uh, been busy and missed it i love to sit down at it would be like 5:30 p.m eastern <laughs> Um, 10.30 10:30 uh, UK time I can use yeah. the VPN to access the BBC iPlayer and watch Match of the Day uh, live um, also uh, there's a lot of stuff on the BBC that my wife likes like, there's a documentary about the Brontes that just aired that she wants to watch and we can use the VPN to access the BBC and watch watch that as well
1: yeah well, if anyone's still listening after that Brontes chat then uh, yeah there's <laughs> was, lots of other things you could use it for sorry it was, that was half she was
0: half a sentence <laughs> half a Bronte sentence <laughs>
1: The classics got mentioned and I got turned <laughs> off for a second. I'm sorry about that. But uh, your, your, heights were, your heights
0: were not withering.
1: <laughs> I no Brontes of any kind for me, actually. <laughs> My wife loves that kind of stuff as well. And she's very excited about that kind of thing. And she uses the uh, VPN for the exact same reason. And um, I think we've got a little special offer for ExpressVPN new customers, do we not, Daryl? We
0: certainly do. You can protect your online activity today and you can access content from all around the world that you wouldn't otherwise have access to. Um, You can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash soccer. That's expressvpn, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N check my spelling that was correct right right Express, yep, expressvpn.com slash soccer for three months free with a one-year package one more time it's expressvpn.com slash soccer to learn more there you go my, my maths are not good but my, my spelling is fine
1: oh I've forgotten the one thing I really like to watch an iPlayer it's Louis Theroux documentaries oh is he you still is he things? still doing
0: those He's still banging them out. Yeah, there's
1: still there's, there's quite a few available um, from the back catalogue as well.
0: Oh, and people should sign up for ExpressVPN just to go and find Louis Through documentaries. They are... Yeah. I think the word I would use is mesmerising.
1: Yeah, he's, he, I love his approach. And also, I will add to the uh, Match of the Day conversation, I love doing that. I love having Match of the Day available at, like, five thirty six 6.00 Eastern. That's great. Yeah. Um, and just to watch the evolution of Alan Shearer as well. <laughs> if, if, if... um listeners aren't aware when Alan Shearer first came on match a day a few years ago, his analysis was, Yeah, basically the cross has come in and he's put his head on it and it's gone in the net. <laughs> that was that was uh, that was as deep as it got. And, uh, which uh, I mean I'm, who... I'm one to i I'm one to talk. I'm one to talk. I know that. But uh
0: he, his other analysis was who's ever heard of Hatem Ben Arfa? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but he's got a lot better. Yes. He's like Barney's blog in How I Met Your Mother. He's got a lot better.
0: <laughs> it, that, actually, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I've been impressed by that as well. It's clear that Alan Shearer has behind the scenes put the work in to be a much better analyst and not just coast by on being a famous goal scorer. And that be- he, may, he may have looked at Gary Lineker and thought, oh, it seems like you score scored a bunch of goals for England. This just comes naturally to you. Turns out, no, you have to put some work in.
1: Yeah, maybe by osmosis of being in that room it, over the years it's helped him.
0: Yeah, no um, doubt. I also quite like uh, Danny Murphy. I think does a decent job too.
1: Yeah, he's good, and Jermaine Jenness is quite good too.
0: Yeah, well done, well done, all the ex-footballers who are putting the work in.
1: Well done the BBC uh, who are not a sponsor who should be though. <laughs> they,
0: they wouldn't sponsor anything, would they? Probably not. Should've, Although should approach uh, this.
1: You say that uh, I listen to the um, Comodo Mayo Film Podcast on Radio Five. Um, I'm an avid listener to those. And they've started putting adverts in them for international listeners. So ah. I get adverts on BBC podcasts now, and it's weird.
0: Yeah, I bet it is weird. Yeah, You should, you should write and complain. Hey, I'm a British citizen. I shouldn't have to listen to your commercials on BBC. I
1: used to pay the license fee when I lived there. <laughs> I, <is> used, <laughs>
0: I used to pay the license fee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'd love that. I'm sure they'd love yeah. that. Um, well, one team that paid and paid handsomely this weekend, Borussia Dortmund. Uh, They visited the Allianz Arena and lost 4 0 to Bayern Munich in Der Klassiker.
1: Didn't quite show up on this one, did they? And I mean, Mm -mm. I think there's a lot of factors at play here. There's some people saying that, you know, they had that Champions League comeback, which was very good. It took a lot out of the team. They had a couple of injury concerns here. And I think mainly the problem is they faced Bayern Munich at precisely the wrong time. Precisely when they're trying to come back from that. um, from that uh, loss at Eintracht Frankfurt last week, which cost uh, Kovač his job um, hair flick getting it done. <laughs> There's a lot of people saying... Uh- Nice hello, hello reference for you there. You're welcome. Um, I'm sure that,
0: that'll get in really well with our American audience, right?
1: Well, if they are watching iPlayer Express VPN... I mean, maybe,
0: maybe. Yeah. Anyway.
1: Um, hair yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Flick, Hansi Flick, working with... A, he, of course, worked with Yogi Love uh, on the national team for a good eight years, won the World Cup with them. Some people saying he was kind of the secret to the success and does things a little differently. Brought in Leon Goretzka... But I think maybe even his first start of the season using players slightly differently uh, 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 as well um, yeah he dropped um, so he dropped
0: Tiago and he dropped Coutinho yeah. and he brought in um, Goretzka and I want to say Kingsley Coman uh, yeah so,
1: Coman played on the left so he yeah.
0: essentially yeah. went back to basics and just had two two fast wingers right Gnabry and Coman and then I think a more um, a more solid more uh, just a better defensively oriented midfield with Kimmich, Goretzka and then Thomas Muller floating around I think maybe the Thiago Coutinho midfield was a, was a bit too fancy that's what Kovac, Kovac was using and I think uh, uh, Hansi Flick has made it a little more let's get back to basics
1: Yeah definitely and, uh, to, to his credit I, I thought Coutinho's been in poor form but he, he was pretty good when he came on but I think any player in a red shirt could have looked good yeah. in this game, to be honest. I could have done uh, a
0: no-look pass in this game. <laughs> yeah,
1: very much so. It wasn't up. Uh, definitely uh, Dortmund weren't up to much in this one. But yeah, full full credit to, to Flick for getting this team firing. I, I thought Goretzka was wonderful. I thought Davies was wonderful in this game. we have got to talk about the big, the big man, though, haven't we? Robert Just Lewandowski.
0: Robert Lewandowski. Yeah, he what, got two goals, was a constant threat. Um, and he also had... Uh, that magnificent moment did you see the thing where he um, stretched for the ball that was going out of bounds and literally rolled it back up his body and defied gravity
1: he recreated the Bundesliga logo Yeah, he did it was wonderful <laughs> yeah. And this, and I know we've been talking about 31-year-olds should be put out to pasture. He's 31. Yeah. And he's playing like he's in his mid-20s. It's incredible. And this streak, we all know the streak he's on. He scored in 11 straight uh, Bundesliga games. He's scored in every game he's played in so far this season. Incredible. And I was just looking at his numbers. The last four seasons, he scored 40-plus goals. He's uh Bundesliga, Bundesliga top scorer in the last two seasons. Uh, and he he just looks like he's not dropping to- in form anywhere. And I, a question I was going to put to you is that How underrated is Robert Lewandowski? Do you think he'd get a lot more credit and plaudits if he was, say, in the Premier League doing this week in week out? I mean, I've seen people on Twitter saying, "Oh, he's only doing this because the Bundesliga is a farmers' league," blah blah blah. But no one else is doing it. It's only Robert Lewandowski doing it in the uh, yeah in the Bundesliga. I think he gets he doesn't get a fair cut of the jib here. I think he's he's very he's in with a great shout of being the best player in the world here and. he's in the uh, he's in the short running for the 2019 Ballon d'Or which is being uh, handed out next month but for the FIFA the best player the best the best the best 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 awards what was that last month or a little while ago he wasn't even nominated
0: I think part of the problem I, I would bet he's properly rated in Germany right I would imagine that he's not underrated um by German media um I think he has two problems one is the Polish national team has never made a dent in a, in a major tournament. So I don't think we've yeah. ever seen him go beyond a group stage, right? I don't think we've ever seen him have a lights-out international tournament where he gets that sort of extra credit. And then, you know, that's like a showcase, right, if, if he can do that. And then the yeah. other thing is, I think Bayern haven't been in a Champions League final since 2013, I want to say. So he hasn't had that big, deep Champions League run either. Thanks, Pep. Yeah, exactly. right. (laughs) He hasn't had that that big showcase either. So there's really only his constant Bundesliga scoring and constant Bundesliga performances as evidence of his greatness. And because I think especially in the US and in England, more people are watching the Premier League that people just aren't paying enough attention, essentially.
1: Yeah, that's fair. And I think we need to pay more attention because this man is doing wonderful things. As you say, 31 years old, deserves a lot more um, adulation than he gets. He's very, very agile as we saw with that that thing where he brought the ball down for yeah. himself. But as a whole, this Bayern team, it's just night and day from last week, wasn't it? They they looked like they were doing that Guardiola-esque pressing. They were swarming on Dortmund yeah. whenever they had the ball. They they had so much more focus. They they were finding the passes better. The big problem with under under Kovač, it seems like no one had the space to find a pass or was making space for for a pass. They just seemed a lot more structured. They had a lot more purpose. Dortmund just didn't have the space to do anything, basically. And I think they had 18 attempts on goal in this one. And you know, four, four, four goals is probably a, a, a fair result in this one. But yeah, not not much going on for Dortmund in here. Jadon Sancho taken been taken off. Not being injured either, which is a bit of a concern in this one too. So, yeah, here's, Lucian
0: his um, the two, ma- yeah, Lucian Favre. The two major things I noticed from this game are Lucian Favre has this weird thing where he doesn't like. Uh, proper center forwards so and if, if you saw this but mario goetzer was essentially the center forward yeah. and forgive me for using the phrase but he's essentially playing as a as a false nine right where he's like in the striker position but really comes back and likes to likes to play in midfield and the big yeah. problem i saw is when bayern pressed dortmund the easiest way out of a press is to go long to your big center forward who can then hold it up right But because Dortmund don't have that, they've got a bunch of little attacking midfielders up there. They had no outlet. So every time they went long, um, it would get eaten alive by Javi Martinez or David Alaba, you can't ask Götze to, to hold the ball up um, against those guys. And if you look in comparison, when you've got a Robert Lewandowski up front, um, just to go back to the great man's greatness, he's, um, he, he's, what? he's agile, he's super skillful with both feet, he's still got a burst of pace, but he's also just the classic centre-forward where if you play a ball into him, he's strong and he'll hold it up. He's, like, he's, he's that complete centre-forward in that way. Um, so Dortmund were absolutely lacking that outlet that Lewandowski gives Bayern.
1: Yeah, and Levin too. If he keeps if he keeps um, scoring like this, and he keeps his form up, one day we're going to have him in the same conversation as Christian Pulisic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> He's, I'd love to see an aerial challenge between the two of them.
1: Oh yeah, who's, who's who's going to win a header, a header off,
0: a header off? <laughs> Put some
1: corners in and see who gets them gets them on the on them
0: more. I, I, I think it would be the the larger gentleman. Um, you, yeah. you mentioned Jaden Sancho as well. Um, subbed out after about thirty six minutes. Um, yeah, I want to say, and then there was a quote from Favre afterwards saying um, he wasn't injured; he just wasn't good enough. <laughs> um, yeah, which I thought was sort of harsh on Sancho because, from what I understand, he had been injured in the build-up. Right? Didn't he miss miss training until the day before? and then father essentially gambled on 19-year-old Jadon Sancho by uh, putting, putting him in the team for the clasica with just one training session the previous day.
1: Yeah, it was pretty much a bit of a Mourinho style damning your own player here I yeah. feel a little bit. It didn't even if even if he wasn't injured he didn't need to come out with that comment um, and putting Rafael Guerrero in, in his place. Uh... I don't know. I just, I don't think, I think they could have had 11 Jaden Jones and not done anything in this game, though, frankly. <laughs> well, actually, if they did have 11 Jadon Jones, they definitely would have lost by a greater score like Yeah, that. I mean,
0: I, I went back and paid particular attention to his performance after what Favre said. And there was, I think even on the first goal, you can see um, he tries to dribble out of his sort of own defensive right side, loses yeah. the ball and then like goes back on his heels, you know, like ah, whatever kind of thing. And then the ball, it's sort of half cleared by Dortmund. And Sancho has the opportunity to go 50-50 with Joshua Kimmich and just backs out of it. And that's when they switch it over to the other side of the field and then eventually score. And there are a couple more moments like that where Sancho would dribble at people, lose the ball and then look disinterested. And I imagine Lucien Favre was just like, "Ah, oh, I'm not having this. And, and that's, why, that's why he subbed him out. And I'm starting to worry if maybe there's a Sancho wants to leave Dortmund and he's not fully into it this season kind of situation. Oh
1: dear! Yeah, that's that's quite possible. But I think even the problems continue when Sancho was off because that that left side, uh, uh, Bayern's left flank, seemed to be a real avenue for them in this game. I think was it the second goal before? uh, I think it was Müller came down the flank and he had loads. He just had so much room to operate in. And it's that uh, beautiful,
0: beautiful pass from Joshua Kimmich from deep and unleashes Thomas Müller from inside his own half down the left wing. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it was just like a stroll in the park for him going down that flank, basically. It was, yeah. And then did when the ball came in, did Lewandowski, I know we're peeping praise him right now, but did he do an air shot or was he sort of pushed off the ball when he had an attempt at goal before? Um,
0: I think um, if, who who scores that? I think Gnabry it scores it, yeah. right? I think if that hadn't been a goal, there would have been a shout for VAR to take a look and see if it's a penalty kick. Because it yeah. looks to me like he gets like he gets knocked over.
1: Yeah. Well, it was VAR, wasn't it? Because it was offside. Oh, for
0: the possible offside, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All um, good, though. Yeah, but Lewandowski doesn't miss unless he's fouled. <laughs> Look at you, underwriting him again. Typical English. <laughs> Typical English. <laughs> That's
1: right, yeah. He is my god now.
0: <laughs> um, so you had asked me in the show notes, uh, do, do I think Lucian Favre is in trouble? Um, and I want to put the same question back at you. Do, do you was this result bad enough that Lucian Favre has to worry about his job?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously... This is a team who don't do well when they come to the Allianz Arena. Was it their sixth successive? I think it's their fourth successive at the Allianz Arena. and uh, they, they, they definitely would have had the fear going into this game. Yeah, and I think I that not
0: help. none of the Dortmund players or staff want a vacation in Munich.
1: <laughs> Precisely, yeah. yeah, No Lederhosen for them. <laughs> but um, I think this is particularly bad timing, it, it being on the eve of the international break, because that gives Dortmund, if they go in to make a move... Gives them a little bit of a window to do so, doesn't it?
0: It it does. I I'm not convinced that they'll do anything because, like you said, this this isn't necessarily um, a, a Lucien Favre problem. It's like a long running Dortmund problem <laughs> to keep yeah. losing at the Alliance. And also, I look back. He's he won his last three games before this. And the last time that uh, Dortmund fired a coach, they had sort of one win in 13 and eight games without a win. So I feel like Dortmund are the sort of team that like to plan things out. And I think it's Watska is the uh, the big guy there. who they, they tend to have a big plan in place rather than just make knee-jerk firing. So I think Lucien Favre is safe unless, unless he keeps losing games.
1: Yeah, so when they come back, was it Paderborn?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a good, that's a good be- game to have.
1: And then Barcelona. After that, a few that's, days later, that's so, less good. That's a little bit of a, a little <laughs> bit of a tester, a little warm up for Barcelona, perhaps with Paderborn coming to uh, the Westfalen Stadion. I think, yeah, I, I, I probably would presume he gets a bit more time. I, I think if they would have fired him, they probably would have fired him by now. Um, my frankly.
0: guess is, my guess is, they let him see out the season, and then they'll have something ready to go for the summer.
1: Yeah, and also this team's been wa- pretty inconsistent, as you say. Well, they well, they got pulled off that great win midweek. Coming back to be into inter three two and the week yeah. before that it was a big win over Wolfsburg. Yeah. Um so and prior to that it was loads and loads of draws and not scoring anything. So it, 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 there's there's confusing signals coming out of this team, and maybe we can write this match off as uh you know, it is facing Bayern at precisely the wrong time in precisely the wrong location. So you know, I don't
0: know, you know what they should do? They should get Lewandowski back. Yeah? They they yeah. won the league when they had him.
1: He is quite good. He He's is quite good. pretty good, good huh? I think the last time Lewandowski was in Ballon d'Or contention was with them as well.
0: That's true, that's true, that's so true. Maybe
1: he, maybe it's a good move for Lewandowski as well.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he'd love to uh, take a step down. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. Step sideways, step sideways.
0: <laughs> One other thing that happened in the Bundesliga this week that caught your eye, Ryan, was that big, big foul.
1: Yes, so uh, we, we call this a dirty tackle of the week, Aha. if you like. I'd love to. This was um, uh, Freiburg coach Christian Streich, who was sent to the ground by Antwerp Frankfurt's captain, David Abraham. Uh, it's, 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 apparently this was a pretty angry game, but Abraham basically charging over to the sideline and shoulder barges the 54-year-old manager <laughs> to the floor. Um, I like how
0: you emphasise the 54-year-old. He, yeah, he's,
1: he, I mean, that's re- relatively advanced in years. I mean, it's I mean, it's only a couple of years older than Robert Lewandowski as we established, <laughs> but his quote was at 54 you can't be run over by a young buffalo like that which I thought was calling Who's... a player a young buffalo I did enjoy that who very said that
0: much. Christian Strike and said that, was...
1: that Strike said that yeah <laughs>
0: yeah
1: Um, But it is wonderful, wonderful use of slow-motion replay technology when you see the side angle, the close-up of when uh, he is shoulder barged to the floor. and Obviously, Abraham gets a red card for this because it was absolutely filthy and uh, (laughs) a big brawl ensues thereafter. But the look on Strike's face as he goes down, it's like this... You you can see the stages of shock, of panic. I'm about to hit the deck, but also I'm angry about this situation. You see the full spectrum. As he goes to the floor, it's wonderful.
0: I want to put this in context. My understanding is, so it's Frankfurt versus Augsburg. Augsburg are 1-0 up. We're in added time, right? So the clock's ticking down. The ball goes out of bounds and David Abraham's going to fetch it. And it looks to me like Christian Strike, just knowing that he needs to help his team run the clock down, just deliberately gets in David Abraham's way so that he can't quickly get to the ball and take a quick throw in, right? Uh, Would you agree that that's probably why Abraham was angered and decided to just knock the 54-year-old coach out of the way?
1: There's there's perhaps some logic to that, but yeah, I don't think it was the right call.
0: From David Abraham?
1: (laughs) On on balance, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's a bit about the frustration of being 1-0 down to Augsburg, right? Which is maybe not Uh, what Frankfurt expect.
1: Freiburg, yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, was it Freiburg? I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, one of the Bergs. One it's of the good. Bergs.
0: One of the Bergs. <laughs> um, the free one. So yeah, David Abram uh, gets suspended for that. And we're, we're not condoning that behaviour on the Total Soccer Show, is that right?
1: No, we're not. But just if, if you do have to, to look at that one on, on Twitter, do wait for this slow motion replay because as much <laughs> as I don't want to savour the aforementioned 54-year-old hitting the ground is quite fun.
0: <laughs> oh, Christian Strike. It's kind of an ironic name as well right because you got so much strike from mr strike there (laughs) um right anything else from the weekend that you want to that you want to give a shout out to or a mention before we before we shut this thing down uh no
1: unless you want to talk about my netflix habits no i think we're good i think we
0: already did yeah (laughs) (laughs) in that case i will say ryan bailey thank you for taking the time to talk to me today
1: absolutely my pleasure Never at all. All
0: right. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you, listeners. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you again very soon.